Welcome to another edition of the Chalk and Rock Show. I am your host, the ever-loving rock. To my left, it is the wise one, the thoughtful one. It is Chuck. What it do, brother? Yo, yo, what's up, my boy? Nothing much, man. Man, what a crazy, oh, man, what a crazy, crazy day we have had today. Oh, man, we got a lot to get into today. We're going to get into Vince, the... Vince McMahon, who no, who never thought we see today, but the brother finally retires. Getting into Josh Rosen signing, uh, signing with the Browns today, and then we get into LeBron just saying "eff it," don't give, not doesn't give up no more. But let's start off with, let's start off with, um, let's start off with the biggest news of the day, with the biggest shocker, which. I never thought I would see the day. You heard that right. 77 years old. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Retiring. Oh, after yeah. at, after all these years since taking over, over the company that his father basically started, Mr. McMahon has finally decided to call it a career as chairman and CEO of World Wrestling Entertainment. Now, call it what you want, but let's be real here. This is in the midst of the investigations that's been going on involving him and the whole hush money ordeal with all the affairs and all the stuff going on. But let's just play this by ear and just basically say he taught in a career after 77 years and it's time for him to sail away. But we know what it really is. So tell my brother. Do you think well? What would you feel his legacy will be after walking away for so long? Well, Vince, when when I think of Vince McMahon, um, I think of a a, a, a innovator. Like he, you know, I'm not sure if he did a lot of the writing for wrestling, but you know, under his reign, like. We got some of the biggest superstars ever, you know, to 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 step in the ring and take their careers to to heights that probably they would have never reached if if it wasn't for Vince and you know in that whole situation. I mean, you know, I, I know recently and you know with the with the whole scandals with all the ladies and everything that's going to kind of tarnish, you know, what what he has built, but. You know, I I don't think we can look past you know what he's done like for for wrestling. Like, you know, I don't know if anybody can really step in and fill his shoes. Like, you know, even back in the day, like the Monday Night Wars, like he, you know, that was a um, good competition between WWE WCW. But you know, he. He squashed the competition, and you know he just kept that train moving, man. Vince McMahon, he's a he's a he has a hell of a mind. Um. So I agree with most that you have said, but there's a couple issues with that. Yes, Vince McMahon is an innovator. He is a pioneer in that industry when it comes to wrestling. 
he has brought that industry on the map and made it something to like which we have not seen before. Yes, he he has done all of that. However, there is a lot of red flags in that whole degree. Like he, I, in my personal opinion, he's gotten a hell of a lot lucky to get to the position that where he is in. Like I can remember in the late 80s and the early 90s, he got lucky to even be not in jail with the whole with the whole steroid uh case that he was in because he was at a point where he was looking at serious uh jail time, but he got lucky to be out of that. And then there was the situation where you mentioned the Monday Night War, but you forget to mention there was 83 consecutive weeks where WCW had him beaten, not just, but not just average beaten, demolished in ratings for 83 consecutive weeks. If it wasn't for, if it wasn't for the own ego of Eric Bischoff and WCW basically did something that thinking that they had him beat, but, his own mishap basically put on one particular ep- on the 83rd week of Nitro where they basically revealed the outcome of a Monday Night Raw instant episode where they revealed that Mankind, a.k.a. McFoley, was going to win the WWE Championship, thinking that doing that was going to basically just put the nail in the coffin of WWE, but little did he realize that you basically just had all of the fans switch to the channel that night. You basically turned the tide of the war, costed you your ratings war, and flipped the script and basically got WWE back on the proper map, ratings-wise. Like, that's luck number two for WWE. And... So that that was pretty much one thing, but that's on. But that's just the minor details that basically Vince got away with. The big, the ugly situations. I can't even. The ugly situations didn't happen until much later. I'm not even. We're not even talking about the whole him having affairs with women and paying hush money, and paying them hush money to basically keep that quiet. <laughs> It's funny I mentioned that because apparently a lot of millionaires love to just do that type of deed, just get away with that. Vince does it. Jerry Jones does it. Dan Snyder does that. Apparently others have done it. But anyways, um, I can't remember. I can remember also the moment, the, the time where this ain't technically illegal, but it's just it's slander and it's just highly disrespectful. There was a night on Monday Night Raw where he forced Amy Dumas and Adam Copeland, named Lita and Edge, by the way, he forced them to basically do this live sex scene on live television after both had begged and plead to not do it. But he basically just told them to, no, do it anyway. And they literally performed a borderline live sex scene on live television. And it was... Yeah, people think it was cool, but it is extremely uncomfortable. But probably the most grotesque scene that happened was the incident involving Ashley Mazzaro, where she went over, 
where they went to a tribute to the troops scene in Kuwait. And she basically reported she was sexually assaulted by some um, troops over, over there. She reported to a doctor and WWE officials basically told her to uh, keep it on the low low. And she sued them and basically WWE ever denied that they ever told her that she ever told them anything. God rest her soul. She passed away a few years ago, but it's just the ever going thing of how base. Yes. This man has, this man has built that empire to be what it is to be the big, one of the biggest entertainments companies that we've seen, but the dirty business deeds that he has done behind closed doors to get to where he is cannot be ignored. So I'll just say this to me, he, to me, he's no different than most other business, other business uh, successes. You, you stepped over people, you broken legs, you stabbed people in the back and you done some dirty to get to where you are today. To me, that's just no different than some people. Yeah, you're successful and you built the empire, but look what you had look look who you look what you have done to get there. I'll just leave it at that. But yeah, I'm just saying though, in regards of um but in regards of events though, it's like and then not even just mention it, but not even just that though, like how many of the wrestlers that you have had and you just stabbed them in the back for what purpose though? Be great wrestlers that you have, but years in the past, I can't even think of like I can't even count all that you had, and you just did dirty deeds too. The uh, the biggest come to mind is that screw job with Bret Hart. You hmm. know the whole situation. <laughs> that well, wasn't cool at all. It's funny you mentioned the screw job in '97 because the reason, the whole purpose behind that was because Bret actually um signed his. He never renewed his contract with um WWE that night and he was planning to sign and he Vince already knew he re signed his con he signed his contract with WCW but uh Brett never wanted to drop the title to Sean and Brett invoked creative control over that which technically certain wrestlers have the ability to vote creative control and um but Vince basically basically just gave him the middle finger and just pulled that stunt anyway, which in the back, Vince knew he Vince knew he basically did him dirty. So as a farewell tour, Vince stood still, let Brett punch him in the face, and Vince sprained his ankle in the process and left. Now um not events gone, and you know he his his career is officially done with the um 
WWE, what would you say his his biggest feud was? Well, that's obvious. I mean, that's just obvious. It's big. Well, I mean, if 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 you think he's had some feuds in the day with, you know, with 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 a, with a lot of superstars, um, you know, I would say. My personal favorite is is how him and Austin used to go mm-hmm. back and forth. You I know, mean, that's they... obvious. That's the obvious feud, him and Stone Cold Steve Austin. But and not even the, that feud did several things. Number one, the feud made Austin the the big, perhaps the biggest superstar in his WWE history. It built Austin to be the legend that he was, and it also built. WWE and that's the company to where it was today. But if you want to go on a more personal level, um, the biggest view was actually WCW. And everyone, yeah, his biggest view was WCW because he tried to do any and everything he could to take that company down. But if you go on just inner turmoil and company wise, yes. Biggest feud was Stone Cold Steve Austin. He sat here and he sat here and basically they both made both each other made who made who they are today. If it wasn't for Austin, there would be no Mister McMahon. If it wasn't for Vince, there would be no Stone Cold Steve Austin. It'd be the Texas Rattlesnake, the toughest SOB. In the WWE, there would be none of that that will be seen today in wrestling lore as we speak. But- oh yeah, oh yeah. I I I just remember, you know, um, every Monday night, jumping in front of the TV, trying to see what um, what what Austin and um, you know, and and, and Vince had in store. Man, I was like, that was like must see TV. I would even not watch Monday Night Football just to see, you know, exactly what was in store. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you was, we would literally skip Monday Night Football just to sit here and watch Monday Night Raw. Like, that's how deep it went. And whenever that go off, then we'll watch the remaining Monday Night Football just to, just to get a glimpse of that. that. That's how deep it went. But speaking of football... Browns don't find themselves their parent, their their parent number two quarterback. And I don't know about you, but I'm not particularly not particularly fond about this one. But we have signed Josh Rosen to be our number two backup for don't know how long, but remaining how time he is, he will be our number two backup. Josh Rosen was, for those that don't know, Josh Rosen was the number 10 overall pick in the infamous 2018 NFL draft. Um, his career has been, well, well, let's just call it like, yeah, you said it best. <laughs> Not pretty. Career 2,800 yards, 12 touchdowns, and 21 picks. This is the guy that infamously said at the day of uh, at the, the day of drafting him that there were nine mistakes ahead of him and he was gonna make all of them pay. 
Yeah, we're still waiting for that one to happen. But um, Chuck, is this a potential sign? Do you think that um, we may know how long Watson may be suspended for? Um, like the more that I think about it, you know, I'm starting to feel that way that this move kind of just um kind of just reaffirms it that the Browns feel strongly that uh that Watson won't be what gonna play at some point this season. Because I don't think you would go after um a a, a journeyman like Rosen um if you expect him to play any meaningful, any meaningful time, you know, I kind of think that this, this move right here kind of brings um, competition to, to, to cap for that second spot between him and Josh Dobbs. So, you know, I kind of, when Andrew Berry made the deal, you know, in the back of my mind, you know, despite what everybody was saying, how the NFL going to push for, at least a year suspension and how, how Deshaun might have to get reinstated. You know, it was just in the back of my mind that um, Andrew Barry is a smart guy. And I think he had a feeling that, hey, um, at some point, Watson is going to play. So, you know, this is just um, this is just a depth move. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Rosen didn't even make the team, honestly. You know, this is just a signing, you know, just to have an extra an extra signal caller in training camp, you know, kind of give um, Josh Dobbs a, a little push, you know, to, to actually see if he's ready to compete at a high level. Right. I 100% agree. Um, going into this whole process, even in the beginning of it, I made this perfectly claim that, I see no matter what happens, even when the NFL was sticking their chest out and was screaming for indefinite suspension, which I knew that wasn't going to happen. I sat here from the get-go and stated no more than eight-game suspension for Deshaun Watson. I feel this is just a depth move and a protection move just in case anything was to happen to Jacoby Brissett. I'm 100% with you. I don't see... Josh Rosen making, I don't see him making the final before final cut. Um, he may not even last that long, honestly. Um, he probably be gone by third preseason game and everything. Um, I, I, I just don't, I just don't see him making longevity of it. Um, he, he is nothing more than a journeyman. He has, he had, he had every chance to try to be something successful in this league and he just has not done it um it'll be so he'll be a uh, someone's backup and he places here and there um as it stands right now this is Jacoby Brissett's team until Deshaun Watson comes back and gets in there I still believe personally Deshaun Watson the latest he'll be back is by Week eight, week by week eight, he'll be back, and I'm sticking to that. Josh Wilson will have no type of say or discourse or anything involved in this team. I just think this is just an emergency move, like you say. And you may and you hit the nail on the head. Barry knew what was up involving the situation 
from the get-go. Like, they knew going in that Watson wasn't going to miss no time. Reeve wasn't going to miss the time, but he wasn't going to be out for the longevity. Like I said, the whole NFL thing, talk about indefinite and have to basically be reinstated. That, that was just a load of hogwash. Like, the personal conduct policy doesn't allow... Uh, unless something, like, crazy had to happen, the personal conduct policy doesn't warrant him basically, you know what I'm saying, being out for that long. So it, that that whole suspension thing wasn't going to be that long. This is this was just a temporary move just to have it as a backup just in case anything were to happen with Jacoby Brissett, which knock on wood, hopefully it doesn't happen, but <laughs> I don't see it. This, this is Jacoby's team until Jacob, until Deshaun Watson comes back. This is not. This is just an emergency. All will be good. Oh yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, I, I, a lot of people in the city, you know, in Cleveland, they're they're down on Brissett. You know, they wanted to go after, um, um, old boy in um San Francisco. Um, Jimmy name, G. Yeah, they wanted to go after Jimmy G. I even heard the name Cam Newton. Like they really down on Brissett right now. And, you know, um, I don't think, I don't, I don't think Washington going to be suspended that long, but if, if by the slight chance, you know, the, the very slim chance he is suspended the entire year, you know, um, I wouldn't be upset if they did go after a quarterback like Jimmy G, you know, someone who, who has proven, you know, that he can be serviceable, you know, even though he can't stay healthy, you know, he can, he has taken his team, what, to the NFC championship, you know, what, two out of five years, two out of four, something crazy like that. Yeah, two out of four years. You know, but, but barring that, you know, I think we're going to ride with Jacoby, you know, Jacoby, he's a, he's a, he's a good game manager. You know, he's, he's not the greatest. He's not going to, light the field up, but I don't think he's going to put you in that position, you know, where, you know, where, where we playing from behind. Cause we still got a great, the best running game, you know, the way our defense came on last year in that second half, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns finished with a top five defense, you know, at the end of the year. So, you know, you got the recipe to be successful, even with Jacoby. You know, and then once once Watson cut, does come back, you know, I think the sky's the limit for this team. I agree. I think if they went after Jimmy G, they must have felt like he Watson wasn't going to play this year. I think you go after Jimmy G if you know Watson was no shot this year at all. Because, you, like you say, Jimmy G, while he's not great – the guy is incredibly serviceable and can lead your team and has proven that he could lead a team to green, to green pastures. He led San Francisco to an NFC championship game last year and led him to a Super Bowl in a couple of years past. If, if everything else around him is good, San Francisco has proven to have a good running game and good defense. Look at the Browns situation. Browns running game is incredibly good. And the second half of last year, the defense has really turned had really turned it up last year. So he would be coming into a situation will be benefit will be beneficial to him. But I don't think I don't think it would be wise to have 
two guys on the roster that you're paying nearly seventy million dollars to, basically. Like you're paying you're paying Deshaun Watson forty six million this year. You're paying um you're paying I believe Jimmy G almost thirty million. Like would that be smart to have two guys on your roster paying over seventy million dollars to? Doesn't make sense. No, 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 not not at all. You know, um, you know, even though the Browns they do got a lot of cap room left, you know, I think it's money can be spent elsewhere. You know, Absolutely. I. You know, hopefully we get a, a, another defensive lineman. You know, that's that's what my focus is on right now. I wouldn't mind potentially looking at for for another wide receiver, like um, especially now because David Bell he went on the pub list today. Like you, you could be looking at a need for another wide receiver. I've been saying that since the since the uh, season started. Like I know people are high on Donovan Peoples Jones, but you still need another number three. Like there's questions there. Like I know I know David Bell had a great rookie year, or I mean had a great uh, college career, but I will still think you need someone that's a little more proven, basically. Not talking Julio Jones because he showed <laughs> that he he showed that he was done last year. Yeah, he definitely was done. He, it, it's over with for that guy. Um, but I was thinking more someone like a Will Fuller, who yeah. had, who had proven that he has great success and good chemistry with Deshaun Watson. So why not have someone like him on the roster, basically to get comfortable, basically with um get comfortable with Deshaun Watson and make it easier for him to get acclimated with everyone else. Oh, yeah. I I got one for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ain't going to like this. <laughs> Business is booming. <laughs> Antonio Brown, man, he's still out mm-hmm. there. <laughs> yeah, I'll pass. That. I- I'll pass. I'm-, I'm sorry. I'll pass. I mean, he... He's still talented. He's just he's just a nutcase. I signed him to a to an all incentive based contract. As soon as he act a fool, you out of here. He has proven he is incredibly talented. But yeah, I, I I'm cool. On that. <laughs> I'm cool on that. But speaking of individuals, with my speaking of individuals who's not afraid to speak their mind. LeBron. <laughs> oh, yeah. LeBron James. But in this particular regard, I have no issue with what he said. I don't have no issue with this because, you know what? I, I don't have really no particular issue with what LeBron says. Well, except the whole taking my talents to South Beach incident. <laughs> but I, I, I have, I'll give him props about this. I, I give him mad props to this. Man, I went to Miami that first year and everything was still about what everybody thought. Then I really just like, I don't give a f- what nobody thinks. I'm him. You know what? So, Chuck. Mm-hmm. Think he's outlandish or that? Um, well, first of all, um, I think LeBron got that. I'm him quote from Kevin Gates. You know, I, I, I need to state that, state that on the record. But um, definitely like, 
you know, being like seeing LeBron's career from his first game up until now to year heading into year 20, like I seen the change. Like, um, like when he got to Miami, I remember LeBron, like he wouldn't even like reporters here used to ask him about Facebook and um, Twitter and all that. He said, no, I don't use Facebook because it's for college kids and I didn't go to college. Like he was, he was steer clear of social media, but when he got to Miami, you know, he started opening up and, you know, doing all these different things. So, so, you know, you, you just saw the change and whether he want to admit it or not, I think the, the biggest, what the most influential person in his change yeah, Pat Riley had some influence. He got him to leave Cleveland. But I think it was Dwayne Wade. Like, Dwayne Wade always been that guy, man, that just, you know, he got he got that, he got he got that mindset like Kobe. I mean, he's not as talented as Kobe. No, you know, don't get it twisted. But you know, when we saw in the finals when they beat Dallas, you know, when they came back and he just was taking it to the hole. You know, he go, hey, I'm a scorer or you going to foul me. You know, it is what it is, but we're not losing. I'm and, glad you mentioned that. And, and, you know, and that rubbed off on LeBron. I know Dwayne Wade, they first year didn't work in. In the offseason, he said, LeBron, this is your team. You number one. But, you know, Dwayne Wade, his, his instincts, you know, his mindset, that mentality, you know, that rubbed off on LeBron you know, and help LeBron become um, the man he is today. No, you are 100% right. I think when he first went there, he tried to still be that same guy that he was in Cleveland. Tried to be that pass-first score. Tried to be that that selfless guy. But... I think with Dwayne Wade, Ron Wade, he basically said, "Look, you can't be that guy here. You you have to be, you have you you have to be that bad mf here, because we can't do this without you." And that second year, that's when he woke the up. He woke the up as something, because I I think he, I think that change took place because I I remember I remember this like it was yesterday. When they lost that, when they lost the finals, I remember he had that presser, and he basically was like, "So we lost, y'all happy now? Y'all, so y'all, y'all got to go, y'all got to go be miserable now. Y'all got to go lead y'all lives, basically. Y'all got to go live y'all average lives, basically now. Like something changed in that dude after that, and." He was never the same ever since then. He was never ever since that dude, he was never the same. Something totally changed in that dude. Totally. And ever since then, and ever since then, that's when everything changed. Everything. And then that's that's when he that's when he developed that dog mentality. That's when he developed that dog mentality, and that's when he basically decided to stay here. And not give a f no more. And then, ever since then, that's when everything changed for, for the for the 
for the good and for the bad because I think that's when because I think when he came back in Cleveland that's when he started to be what's what's the word I'm looking for diva like <laughs> I mean you you recognize with some of the things that he did because like first year he came here you could just tell like when Wilson's face was our head coach like David Blatt just, he had no respect for that dude whatsoever. He didn't None. Chance. <laughs> None whatsoever. <laughs> Call his, he, he, like, he decided when he'll check out of games, he called timeouts against that dude's will. Whenever that dude called plays, he's like, nah, we, we're not running that. This is what we running. Excuse me, this, that, and the third, basically. It's like, Black couldn't stand a chance against that dude. Like, LeBron did things his way, basically. Like, you know what I'm saying? He did his way. Then when Ty Lue came, then when Ty Lue took over, that's when he's like, okay, I kind of going to do, I'm kind of going to do things your way, basically. Because, like, Ty Lue, won, he wanted Ty Lue to be coach. But, yeah, it was like, ever, ever since then, he just could not, he could not, like, Black couldn't stand the chance. And it was sad, too, because I don't think Black was a bad coach. Black was not a bad coach at all, basically. Yeah, we we were number one in the East, you know, that um... – but LeBron, you know, I, I remember, like I said, back in the day when the Cavs, they were looking for a coach and everybody kept saying, well, um, the Cavs need a coach to play before and and LeBron is going to respect them. And, you know, it proved to be true. You know, him and Ty right. Lue, you know, he respect Ty Lue decisions because he's been through the wars, you know, like you said. But when LeBron came back, he had that attitude like he never left. And... I believe that's what rubbed Kyrie the wrong way. Because Kyrie like, hey, I've been here. You yeah, know? Exactly. But LeBron like, man, you haven't won anything. <laughs> you well, been playing. It, it, it wasn't even just that, though. It was just like, like LeBron changed, completely changed when he came back here. He felt as though, like, LeBron wanted complete. LeBron came back here because he had, he felt like he had this mindset that he had complete other control of the entire organization. He, like, he had complete utter dictation on who was going to come here, who was going to leave here, and everything. Remember, he sat here and basically told the organization who to re-sign, who to trade, and everything. Like, it was him that made them re-sign Iman Shepard, Tristan, then he made them give Tristan Thompson that five-year, $80 million contract. Like, you know, damn well that dude was not worth that money for nothing. No way. He, you know, like you said, he came here and laid the smack down, you know. But, hey, Gilbert made him them promises. You know, he, he Gilbert probably was at his house on his hands and knees. Like, please come back. You can do whatever you want. You that's know, exactly and, Le- and LeBron happened. took it and ran with it. And you know? that's exactly what happened. That's why he went on that flight, went down there, basically begged and pleaded him, told him, like, dude, I will give you whatever you want. Just 
please come on home. He went he went full key sweat bowl. Please, please. <laughs> oh yeah. But, you know, but I, I was definitely say it was worth it, you know, bringing the city first championship, you know, it in 52 years. Oh yeah. But see, but see, this but see, this is why certain individuals like him have that attitude that they don't give a because when you give individuals, when you give individuals that type of power, they gonna have that mentality that they don't give a. F- like this is why Le- I hate to say it, this is why LeBron has the mindset that he has, because you basically have given him so much for so long, they gonna have that mindset. Like hell, KD has the same thing, to a particular degree. This is why he sits here. This is why the dude, the dude signed the contract extension for four years, a hundred. Dude has hasn't begun his contract extension, and he already demanded a trade. Like this is broken. This this is why stuff like this can't happen. This is why I have to agree. Like stuff like this can't happen when you get a certain mindset. When you get in the mindset of certain individuals like that, they feel they can do whatever and even say whatever. I mean, well, saying whatever is just one thing, but doing whatever like that, like this is why when you you can't. I hate to say it, but you can't get certain individuals the ability just to do whatever like that. Oh yeah. Now, now, now see, I know, I know this topic right here is for another show, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak it a little bit. A lot of that has to do with the AAU basketball. Like you telling these kids at such a young age, how great they are, you know, they're able to, um, you know, flex their muscles at such a young age that when they come oh. into the NBA, they, you know, they're not even feeling like they got to work. they like, hey, I've arrived already. You know, this is just a part of my journey. Mmm, that's... Oh, we're going to save that one for another day. <laughs> oh, that's for another day. That That's... That's deep. That's deep. Uh, yeah, we 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 gonna we gonna say that one for another day because that's deep. I'll, I'll I'll just I'll leave it with this one. You're right. You're right. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. I will leave it at that because that is right. But that's all the time that we have for today on this edition of Chuck and Ruck. Um, it is training camp time. You know what that means? Oh, yeah, Preview time. Preview time. Get ready because next week we're going to be getting previews. We're going to be getting previews for uh, East Division. You think you got to check? You think you uh, you know who's going to win East win? You know who's going to win East Division? I got a feeling, but, you know, we, we got a little time. We have a little time. Yes, we do. But... Get your homework ready. Until then, this I am Ruck. That is Chuck. Good night, everybody. <laughs>